You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, as always, hosting the show, and I'm joined again by Doug Moore, my new co-host here. We've been going for, uh, I think we've done three shows together, Doug, so hopefully uh, fourth time lucky here and we produce some good content for uh, all the listeners out there. But uh, it's always fun talking with you, but we've been talking today with Nick Whelan from DLF uh, football a lot of you will uh, have heard last week's show with roto hack on it's kind of a bit like uh, next partner in crime but uh, we kind of we kind of just uh, do the double shot here but quick story uh, he jumped aboard very swiftly because we were meant to have run for johnny on today's show unfortunately he was sick and uh, we were meant to record yesterday but next jumped aboard and uh, we're delighted to have him on he's been somebody i've wanted to have on the show for a long long time so nick how's things uh, going with you things are good actually uh i, I work in uh, schools my full-time job so during the summers i got time so <laughs> this is uh this is kind of perfect to be honest yeah it's nice uh my brother's uh, just qualified as a teacher so it's something i always would have loved to do those long summer holidays uh i uh, i envy you on that one doug uh, how you been doing since last week uh i'm doing all right i'm doing all right uh i uh i I think I foolishly, not foolishly, but I took on Cavaliers fans, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fans, and and uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, yeah, they, they didn't take too kindly, and uh, as a result, uh, just just um, don't check out my mentions from a few <laughs> days ago. They, uh, they did. They, I, I'm a marked man now in uh, Cleveland. Oh, well, I think, um, well, hopefully you've calmed down. Last week's show, we brought a lot of heat to the show. Hopefully you bring some heat today, but uh, last week, uh, I didn't know if you were going to jump through the screen at us. Um, Obviously, Nick, I mentioned already um, the DLF podcast, DLF writer, part of the Philometrics crew as well, with Rotohack, as I mentioned, and the Debbie report. There's uh, a lot of stuff going on, so it's a good job you have the the summer months off to, to concentrate on all that work. Yeah, I, th- I think if I didn't have that time in the summers, I might not stay married, to be honest, because this all, as you guys know, this stuff takes a lot hundreds of, of hours of time. Yeah, so. yeah we're all pretty uh, crazy, and I think you have to really uh, love the game to, to put in the extra time. And uh, first up, obviously, we get into a bit of news. Uh, Trent Richardson believes that, uh, you know, if he's going to describe how his career finishes, he's uh, heading for Canton, Ohio, getting that gold jacket and heading to the Hall of Fame. Or maybe is there a new Hall of Fame that we haven't heard of that... Uh, gives these gold jackets out to as, as doug put it on twitter do they give gold jackets now to uh, busts uh yeah no so i um i i think i think what we don't know is there's a hall of fame of busts so ryan leaf yeah. is sitting at the top as the president jamarcus russell vp uh we got achilles smith uh you know we, we got him as the secretary and and i think uh trent richardson's up there um I think you know, I think what uh, maybe what he thought is when you go to the Hall of Fame they make a bust off you so they make yeah. like, you know a, a kind of model of your head out of iron or whatever it's made out of maybe that's what he thought but obviously we'll see how he turns it around uh, I'm looking forward to a, a huge 2016 from now after this uh, report oh uh, yeah no definitely um, <laughs> you know I don't know where I, I I listen if you're not drafting Trent Richardson you're not doing something right yeah you're not doing it right. Anyway, Doug, I did say on Twitter we had a 30-second time limit on Trent Richardson. We've already gone over that, so we have to move on. Next up, uh, Giovanni Bernard of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals signed a three-year contract, $15.5 million for him in that over those three years. A player who, when you look at it, he's still only 24. I know players come into the league at a young age a lot of the time, but what Gio has done in his uh, three years in the league has been very impressive, particularly as a pass catcher. And there was a couple of questions, and I got into quite a discussion on Twitter yesterday, in fact, uh, over Giovanni Bernard or Jeremy Hill heading into the, the 2016 season. Who would you rather? I've always been in the Giovanni Bernard camp, even last year heading into the season. I still stocked up on him in a lot of leagues, and uh, I wasn't a big Jeremy Hill fan. Out of those two, and with this contract, uh, how would you stack up those two running backs uh, heading into the season, Nick? That's a good question. I mean, I think the the big one is what's going to happen now that Hugh Jackson's gone, you know, because now it's how they're utilized. We don't know, but <clears throat> Jeff Miller, uh, one of the other co-hosts on the Dynasty, the DLF Dynasty pod, yeah. uh, me and him did a, a film breakdown of Jeremy Hill, and he's really bad at football. Yeah. So, so I, touchdown dependent. Well, he he can't. He, his vision and how he uses his feet just—it's just not good. I mean, he he had a lot of big plays that one year, and then last year it just came down to earth. So uh, I'm with you. I would 
I would like Gio. I think he's a little bit better NFL player than fantasy player. Yeah. But he has such a high floor all the time because you know he's consistent. You know he's going to catch. You know he does the smart thing. Yeah, particularly if it's PPR. I think you know we've even seen what an old guy like Danny Woodhead has done over the last couple of seasons. So a young player like Gio is going to get lots of opportunities. Doug, uh, would you agree with basically what Nick said there? Yeah, I think one of the more underrated things is you know the Bengals lost Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones this offseason. They're number two and number three wide receiver. Um, you know, granted, yes, they lost Hugh Jackson, one of the best offensive minds in football. But I think that now that, you know, there's there's more targets up for grab. They went and signed Bran LaFell and Tyler Boyd. Uh, not not saying that that's going to come in and replace it. But um, I, I think there's more targets up for grabs, especially if Tyler Eifert doesn't um, it doesn't doesn't play the first few games. I think that carves out even a bigger role for him. I think that at worst, when everybody's healthy, he's that number three guy for them. And I'll be honest, and I know as as many jokes as we crack about Andy Dalton, this, you know, for through the first, what, six, seven weeks, he was arguably the MVP of the yeah, league. True. He was doing extremely well last season. Uh, again, I don't think we can state enough how much Hugh Jackson going to the Browns means um, in terms of maybe them downgrading a little bit. But still... Um, I think Gio Bernard is in for a, a good year. I think he's going to be a bounce back can, especially when when they downgrade in their wide receivers. Um, and uh, I like it. And and this this shows uh, a lot of confidence, giving five a little over five and a quarter million dollars per year to a running back. Yep. Uh, a lot of running backs don't get second contracts with their team, so I, I think it's it's a it's a really good sign of how much they trust him going forward. Yeah, I think it is. And I think, you know, you mentioned there again the downgrades at wide receivers this year and, you know, the rookies coming in in the draft and so on. I think uh, we might see even Geo maybe possibly using different roles this year, maybe even split out wide on occasions and getting a lot more of the ball that way as well. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens with him. But, uh, you know, it's a very, very good contract for him, obviously, as a young running back, getting to stay on with the team. And we'll see how it develops this season. I'm still very much in his camp. A piece of news that I don't think we need to talk much about. Obviously, there's been rumors coming out uh, over the last couple of hours of Andrew Luck and a contract extension in the works. And, you know, it could probably, and it probably should be the, the biggest contract given uh, in the NFL per season, uh, salary-wise. I think it's no surprise. I don't think there's a lot to talk about. Uh, is there anything either you want to say about it or we just move on and wait till it's all announced? Uh, n- no, no. I, I, I'll say that I think we could definitely see him making thirty million a year, knowing how crazy Jim Irsay is, and and knowing how how little that front office feels about the rest of the team. Mm. So as long as they have a good core of wide receivers and Andrew Luck, they're happy. Yeah, that's all really, that matters to them. They don't even need an offensive line as long as then no, no, no. Luck on the no. IR again. But uh, who, who needs an offensive line? Who needs a, a defense? <laughs> who needs a defense when you have Andrew Luck? As long as you have lots of wide receivers as well, keep stocking up on the wide receivers. Keep uh, Luck and have Frank Gore in the backfield. It'll all be okay. Uh, but when you're talking about it, you said thirty million. I know Jim Irsay's crazy. I don't know if he's that crazy. I think we'll see it settle around twenty-five on average. But it's still going to be a monster chunk of change for Andrew Luck. Uh, next up over the weekend, uh, Akeem Talib shot in the leg, possibly shot by himself. What is uh, going on with? Uh, uh, Akeem Tlaib probably and guns in general and uh, the other thing is if he doesn't play in 2016 the value uh, of the offensive players in Denver possibly for a couple of games at least uh, maybe getting a little bit of a bump up as the, the defense is sure to take a hit I mean honestly <clears throat> I put this out on Twitter I mean I think the person that benefits the most is Emmanuel Sanders because apparently the whole dynasty community and the whole fantasy football community thinks he's not a good football player for some reason I, I mean he still put up he put up yeah. stats last year with Peyton with his 69 quarterback rating and Brock Osweiler. So I don't know how it gets any worse. It probably gets better with Sanchez, to be honest. But when they aren't milking a lead and running the ball as much, they're going to have to play catch up. And I think he's going to benefit. I don't know. I don't know how Burris can go to jail for a year and Tlaib might not. You like to me, that's what I think is going to happen. It has yeah. to be a year, right? Yeah, well, that's pretty true. I was not even thinking about the uh, legality of the situation or what the NFL might react with, but uh, you know, just. Uh, that there's another very good point but it's just I've just lost I'm living in Ireland uh, I'm lost for words at how things have happened uh, you know with guns and so on in America over the last few years we haven't seen too many NFL players get in trouble this offseason so far which has been pretty good but Tlaib uh, really gets himself into the the knucklehead of the year award with that one and you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders he's a player that I'm very high on and just uh, we might talk later on in the show about the the OTI Dynasty 2 draft and 
I actually, with the 8th eighth, eighth round, 11th pick, 95th overall this year was uh, last week, picked up Emmanuel Sanders, and I thought that that was absolutely crazy, and I can see by Nick's face that uh, he's wondering if I'm actually telling the truth. What do you make of that there, 95th overall? Uh, Dynasty? Yep. Wow, like, <clears throat> th- thanks. You guys, sh- you should send a fruit basket to the rest of your league for yeah, giving well, you a... Yeah, and I wouldn't I mean, he was wide receiver 18 last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, wh- like like that was luck or something? Yeah. I, I, can't, I, I don't I, get I it. I cannot figure it out. And uh, I was going to take him the round earlier, and it just I was in that swing around the turn, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll last four more picks. And I just I couldn't leave it at that there point. It's, uh, you know, he was playing last year with Peyton Manning. Absolutely nothing at the quarterback position there. Brock Osweiler's gone to Houston. Let's see how that plays out, but I don't think he was doing anything in huge ways for Sanders' value. And there was a lot of times last season where he outplayed Demarius Thomas. So we'll see what happens this season. But I think he's fallen into that Eric Decker category where he's just been criminally underrated. And I know that there was severely, severely low in uh, that particular draft, but I have seen him fallen in a lot of drafts to the the sixth round as well. So um, I think he's someone that a lot of people this season uh, are getting a good value on. Uh, next up, uh, Marshawn Lynch has said that he is done in the NFL, so anyone that's probably holding on with uh, faint hopes in Dynasty Leagues that he's coming back, I think we can uh, just put him back on the waiver wire and uh, finish that off. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and you mentioned you put out on Twitter uh, about Emmanuel Sanders. You put out a question yesterday on Twitter, and it's got quite a bit of response. I listened to two different podcasts today, and they actually brought it up. Uh, I heard um, Salami talking about it on the couch on uh, the Football Guys podcast. It was how good does an NFL or a fantasy analyst need to be at fantasy football? And uh, it's uh, something that got a lot of attention yesterday. Uh, where did you come up with the uh, the thought for the tweet? Is it something you've been thinking about for a long time? And uh, were you surprised at uh, the amount of feedback you got in it? Uh, yeah, I was really surprised that many people <laughs> commented on it, especially people that, I mean, I don't consider myself, you know, an expert or anything, but there were some, I mean, Matthew Berry had some responses yeah. and Mike Clay. I was like, whoa, look at all these guys. So really had yeah, generally a lot of, yeah, generally a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of feedback and good discussion overall. Um, I mean, I, I think that there has to be some type of a baseline. Like, I think you can't be a horrible fantasy football player and be someone that does this. But there were some good points of being good in certain areas, and then people can pick those areas. But the the thing that I don't like is that <clears throat> I've played in leagues before with people that aren't very good at this, and they and they they put out a lot of publicity and and. Things and I'm like, I don't know if that's good for people to listen to them. I'm not, I'm not going to name names, yeah. but that's kind of what I was thinking of. And I don't know, I guess people have to pick and choose and figure out what, what works for them. Yeah, I think there is definitely a balance there. And I think that's what most of the responses kind of seem to suggest. That there is a balance between having good advice. And a lot of it too is a lot of people, you know, you hit one pick maybe a first round pick or second round pick or you maybe have a late round pick that really takes off and you can say at the end of the season look I picked him at the start but they don't go and say that oh well look at these other seven rounds where these players were absolutely atrocious so I think too it's uh, you know backing up those mistakes and uh, you know standing by your picks and drafting who you suggest to draft and all that so at the end of the season uh, your teams are going to reflect your thoughts and you know it is possible of down years uh, I've seen a very good point made like you know if you said to take Jamal Charge last year uh, just before his injury you know he was up there in the top 10 of running backs and once he goes down then you're uh, you know it's a terrible pick because he's not going to help you get into a fantasy playoff or anything at that point of the season so I thought it was a very interesting question and uh, it's one that uh, I, I was uh, interested in all the responses that came into it and next up we're talking <laughs> another thing I've seen on uh, both your Twitter handles I believe was uh, the NFL Twitter handle got hacked yesterday uh, obviously it's probably Tom Brady's fault and outside of that what the hell is going up with fake death tweets over the past week? i seen one over the weekend that Jack Black had died. And it's got to the stage now where you see a tweet and you're like, oh, it's probably somebody's got hacked. You don't actually believe that the, somebody has actually uh, died. So what the hell is going on with uh, death tweets? Well, I tried doing one and, and nobody cared. <laughs> a lot of um, favorites on that one, was there, Doug? <laughs> yeah, there, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, thank God, good riddance. I don't have to follow this guy anymore. Um, Were they all Cleveland Cavaliers fans? uh, Yeah, Cleveland Cavaliers fans, Colts fans, Titans fans. I I picked up quite a quite a a group of people that uh, that don't like me, but it's all right. Um, But uh, no, I feel like this is a non-story. But I think it's because it's the NFL, and also just I I think there were a lot of people. I mean, I'm not one to celebrate a death, but I think there are a lot of people out there that would have. Unfortunately, been happy that uh, that Roger Goodell uh, would have passed away if that was the case. Well, I just want, I, mean, I just want to make the point that whether they're Patriots fans or not, anyone that takes 
pleasure in anyone uh, dying, in my opinion, yeah. uh, is an absolute. I have the explicit tag on this, so they're an absolute asshole. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's certainly not some. I wouldn't be so sad if if it, if they had said that he was you know impeached. <laughs> I, I I I I don't um. I'm not so sure that that's such a bad thing, and I think I can still root for that without feeling awful inside. Um, Hashtag but I think impeached. That, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it's 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 almost like a um, an ass that ass Jerry Jones thing, um, where you just you get gold mines of responses, um, and these are the kind of responses that you can frame on your wall for for future. Um, references, but uh, no, this is. I think it's a non-story. Uh, everybody gets hacked nowadays. I encourage people to hack me, but they don't do it. So, <laughs> since Doug thinks it's a non-story, but we we spent uh, I think three minutes talking about it. We'll move on. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. can I jump in. Yeah, I mean the the part that I don't like is as I'm with you. Where I mean, there's we're we're people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and to do that when. You know, like there, there's certain people, you know, that people idolize and certain people that people don't like, like people don't like Tom Brady for some reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. That aren't Patriot fans. And, and, and I don't we're all people in the end. And you're you're doing that. That's I can't believe how low that is. Like, yeah. you know, we had fun with Trent Richardson in the beginning, but he's still a guy that is failing in life. Like it would be a cool story to see him rise up again. Like, isn't that what kind of people like to see those Cinderella type of stories? But I mean, humanity, this just like. Doesn't this just like make you feel bad for humanity? What the world's like? Yeah, well, that's well, kind of well, that's kind of what I was getting at as well. And people, when they're behind a keyboard, aren't afraid to say anything. But you know, everyone here is just uh, you know likes fantasy football or likes the NFL or whether you don't like Tom Brady or whether you don't like Peyton Manning. At the end of the day, like I'm not going to go behind my keyboard and start berating these people, and I'm certainly not going to start hacking Twitter accounts to try and uh, get a, a joke out of it, but uh, Doug obviously uh, wants to say something, so we'll let him go. Yeah, I got, I got two things. I got two things. So one, we may say that Trent Richardson's failing at life, but Nick, let's be honest here. He's still making more money than both of us combined somehow. Uh, all three of us combined. All three of us combined. Yeah. So I'll take it. I'll take it. And he's obviously in much better condition than I am. Trust me. <laughs> um... So he, he obviously at least had I, – I, trust me, he's like a foot taller than me because I'm short as hell and he's got some sort of muscle and he's got gray hair. I'm losing my hair. So yeah, I'll take it. But, but the other thing is there are so many other things you could have done with that. This is my rant time. There are so many other things you could have done with the NFL – hacking the NFL's Twitter handle. There's so many other things you could have done. So many others. And you go into that? Why? Yeah, at probably. least – Anything in the world, you, 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 I don't even know. You could have, you could have, uh, I, I don't even know. I, I, I'm just so, you're right. Someone going behind their keyboard and doing that, if you're going to do it, at least make it funny. He could have, you know what he could have done? He could have went and uh, bought the Debbie report and read all of it and saved his time and he could have be prepared for next year's uh, fantasy drafts. Probably something that he could have done with you, Green Nick. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Shameless plug. Now we yeah. found out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't be associated with you. What? <laughs> uh, well, I'm all a bit shameless plug. So, well, uh, we. I <laughs> well, no, no. Now we know. Now we know who hacked the NFL's Twitter handle. <laughs> hey, I'm just. I'm just the first time I've ever heard impeached on a football podcast. Yeah. So I'm just glad about this. I don't even. I'm not even sure I know what impeached means. So, but we'll move on away from that. There, we get back to some fantasy football talk. We've. Uh, had a bit of fun talking a lot of silly things, but uh, another contract story: Keenan Allen talks with the uh, the Chargers, possible four year extension. Obviously, we're probably going to see. I think we'll, you know, there was a lot of talk last uh, season, just before Rivers signed that contract, that he might uh, want to get out with the team because there was talk of them moving to LA and so on. And uh, at this point in time now, it looks like he'll be there for another three or four years. So when you put Keenan Allen with Philip Rivers, uh, and he, if he does sign this extension, which all signs uh, point to definitely doing the way he had last season up until the point of his injury uh, coming into this season. I'm a huge Keenan Allen fan and have been since he came into the league. And again, he had a down year in his second year, a big year last year. And I think he'll, he'll continue in a positive progression. But linking him more so than the contract, uh, just in Dynasty in particular, four-year extension. It's the same with Giovanni Bernard. It just kind of reaffirms i think a lot of the time where the team puts their money whether it's in a draft or whether it's in uh you know re-signing their own players i think it shows how these teams feel about these players and keenan allen should have a, a big couple of years going forward what do you think uh, nick is he somebody that you're a fan of uh, that you would be targeting i think actually there's not much point in targeting him because i don't think whoever owns him is probably going to give him up at this point 
Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a buy low anywhere. But yeah, um, so. I mean, th- there's a few things to that. I mean, one, I, I kind of talked on Twitter where I think Keenan Allen and Alshon Jeffrey are in the same boat where they both have been dinged up with all these kind of injuries and, you know, investing that money. I think that's a kind of a team decision where they kind of want to see them stay healthy for a little bit. That would mm-hmm. definitely make them feel more confident. But both of them are super talented. I mean, with Allen, I mean, yeah, he works underneath, but he's so much he has so much more skill there using his body in, in good ways and in smart ways because face it, Keenan Allen isn't an amazing athlete by any means, but he's a smart football player. So yeah. um and, and I agree with what you said. Like it's it's a whole nother point to to reward your own players because that helps the entire organization moving forward. So hey, if I prove it here, I'm gonna get paid. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, Doug, anything to add there? Yeah, no, it's really a reaffirmation of, uh, you know, we saw for so many years where it was maybe Vincent Jackson or Antonio Gates. Keenan Allen's a new guy. He's a new guy. Antonio Gates is up there, I think, like 36, 37. Uh, And then we have, um, you know, it's really something. I I think to the point, he's definitely had dinged up injuries. But something like what he dealt with last year, I think it was a a lacerated kidney. Yeah, flu. Can you – I think I think the problem is is that we have this this tag of injury uh, like an injury risk or someone who's often injured. I think there's a big difference between a guy like Darren McFadden who often deals with these lower body injuries or, or something like that. Even LaShawn McCoy who deals with a lot of lower body injuries, and then we have a guy like you know say Keenan Allen who had an injury that it, it's not something that you can play through or you just don't have tolerance. He had internal bleeding. That's a big difference. He's definitely had some injuries, but I think that we need to understand or we need to utilize that tag a little bit better. Austin Jeffrey is a great example. He dealt with ankle injuries last year, I think it was, and the shoulder injury. I don't remember off the top of my head everything exactly. Um, but I think that that would be more so. It's more of those minor injuries that seem to slow you down than a major injury. If you're getting major injuries constantly, no. No, I'm just kidding. Give me one second. So um, – <laughs> Doug, uh, for the listeners, Doug, you have to remember that uh, this is audio, not visual, and they can't see what you're doing. So uh, Nick wants right, to I'm talk. S- Doug's I'm telling s- him to wait. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Nick is, is flipping me off right now, and I'm telling him to stop. <laughs> um, so, uh, but no, I think the injury the injury riddle or injury you know risk sort of tag just needs to be reworked a little bit or more selective on what we use it. Um, Keen Allen, like I said, just to finish up, he's dealt with his injuries, but something like last year, I can't really hold him that accountable for. Yeah, the the one for for me is that is is it dates back longer than that. There was the knee injury that caused him to drop in the draft, and you know there was some other injuries throughout his career. So it's not so much that he's injury prone; it's that he hasn't proven that he can sustain a whole year. For me, now again, I agree with you because if you look at it, the list: Dez, Julio, Gronk. I mean, you can go through like everyone's yeah. been hurt. Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, like they're all injured. So. I agree with you, and I think that presents good buys at times as well. Um, the other thing I want to point out, though, is there is absolutely no chance Keenan Allen finishes a season at the pace he was going. So yeah, I would like true. to put that. I mean, he was, it was like a hundred and like eighty six or ninety some targets. Yeah, like gonna that's break not the record. Happen. Break all records for uh, receiving yeah. receptions, uh, targets, and all. But at the same time, he may have slowed down, but he would still uh, finish it better than he did when he was on injured reserve. He's both mentioned, uh, you know, the injuries, particularly the soft tissue injuries, are ones that I think you can give that injury prone tag to. Sometimes that's what I would say about Darren McFadden. It's uh, a lot of soft tissue injuries when you get something, you know, like a, a broken bone or that, and uh, there's not much you can do about it. The other thing was um, when you look around the NFL, it is the NFL, and it's such a physical game that pretty much everyone's hurt all the time. So uh, everyone's pretty much injury prone if you're playing in the NFL. Uh, next up. We're going to go into some 2016 breakout or bus players. I wanted to mention this player in particular earlier when we talked about Giovanni Bernard. I see him as a quite a similar comparison, and I'm thinking he's going to have a big year this year. It's going to be interesting. I liked what he done last year, and I think he surprised people when you look at the stats of how many catches and targets and so on he had. It's Duke Johnson of the Cleveland Browns. Giovanni Bernard, would you agree that that is a similar, you know, kind of comparison, Nick? And is he somebody that you're looking to acquire ahead of the season? Oh, you picked about the wrong guy. I'm not a big Duke Johnson fan. It's all for... about opinions. We get, it's good to get different opinions. It's no good if we all agree. Yeah. I mean, and, and part of it for me is that now there's a new coordinator there and, and I'm and head coach, and we don't know if he even likes Duke Johnson. Uh, when you look last year, they had Gary Barnage, Travis Benjamin. Crowell's not good. 
Uh, so they didn't have a whole lot. So they utilized him. And he impressed me as a receiver much better than I thought him coming out of Miami. I just don't know long-term how that's going to be. This year, sure. But when we have that 2017 class of amazing running backs coming in, I don't know that he holds on to that job. So that's why I'm more hesitant this year. And especially when the price point, and I hope this doesn't hurt Doug hitting close to home, I would much rather buy Duke Johnson his price point than Deion Lewis at his. Because you have a guy that's younger, less injury prone, that's proven it over a long period of time, in my opinion. So in that realm, yeah, I can see that. When you mentioned uh, just the, the price point, it's something that, like I said, I was trying to acquire him this offseason, and a lot of people that have him are so high on him that he's just his price point surprised me as to how high it was. Uh, I even went as far in one league just because I wanted to see if the owner would part with him, offering up uh, 2017 first-round picks, for example, and you know there was no budging. So he's a player that I think his price point maybe and uh, the hype around, because the Browns don't have a lot of options, I think probably gone a little bit too high and i don't think at this point it's gonna be somebody i can acquire very good point made though in the 2017 class you know uh, there'll be a lot of running backs that could be moved on after this season and that's another reason why i think that giovanni bernard contract is uh, very very interesting for him any thoughts uh, doug on duke johnson or do you want to move on to the next player uh no so i'll touch on him a little bit so i think i think it's hard to say that he's in a similar situation other than having hugh jackson there you know we i think we can both agree it's a similar situation in terms of the dynamic of the running backs because we have Isaiah Crowell, who seems like he's going to be probably at least to start the season unless something crazy happens, be that early down guy. And and I'm glad that Nick said so I didn't have to. Yeah, Isaiah Crowell is not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like him. I don't know why people are liking him. Sure, could he be a value guy at the end of your draft? Sure, but let's not assume that he's going to, first of all, keep his role because I don't think there's been – I think for the good part since he's gotten the league – He's never been able to sustain a um, a starting role. And now we're going into this where your QB situation is hard to figure out. Your wide receiver situation might even be worse. Um, your offensive line is going to be worse for sure after losing some key pieces. And your, and your defense, I don't think it got any better. So that's part of my issue is at least Giovanni Bernard has a good defense behind him. He has at least a solid QB and a great wide receiver to, to help take pressure off so he's not relied on heavily. The problem is for Duke Johnson, you're coming in where you have either RG3, who I don't like, or Josh McCown, who I love. Get off my ass if you hate him. Um, and you have a whole bunch of you have a whole bunch of rookie wide receivers like uh, Corey Coleman, Rashad Higgins, Jordan Payton. Um, crap, crap, I don't know. So it's just it's a different dynamic where you know, this Browns team is not going to do good. Another thing to keep in mind, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. They're not going to be able to use their running backs as much or use the running game as much as they'd like to, I bet. Uh, Hugh Jackson, definitely a creative offensive mind. I think the Bengals are much more set up, uh, much well, much better set up than the the Browns are. I think that hinders Duke Johnson. I love him because I think that you can't get much worse than what the Browns did in 2016, uh, in 2016 and then did in 2015 besides Josh McCown. Again, get off my ass, haters, and Gary Barnage. So I think that it's only going to go up from here, and I think Duke Johnson is the beneficiary. But the problem is you get some hype, and his price goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Another thing that Nick mentioned, a lot of these teams that have running backs, like the Raiders, for example, the um, – the Seahawks, for example, if their running back situation sucked this year, or the Bears even, the Dolphins, if their running back situation sucked this year and they don't get production, they got a huge class where I think there's at least eight to ten franchise running backs in that class where everything could change. Yeah. And I think and I think the Browns could be one of them because the Browns are not afraid to spend a, a pick on a running back. So, you know, they had Isaiah Crowell, they, uh, they had Terrence West, and then they went and still got Duke Johnson the next year. I don't think they're afraid to go and get another running back. So if this situation sucks, like Nick pointed out, they'll just make a new change. They'll get another running back. So that's a big thing to keep in mind. And I don't think Duke Johnson can commit or or, or, or be able to uh, contribute a lot in the run game. I think he's still refining as a, as a running back, not to say that he can turn. So he's ideally like uh, – no. So uh, ideally, uh, he's like Giovanni Bernard. So – but he's in a poor man situation. So it'll be interesting. I think he could be a solid low-end running back two in PPR leagues, but I'm not going to buy the hype that all of a sudden he's going to make this this huge, huge, huge huge-ass jump. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not buying into him anything to do with running the ball between the tackles. It's all going to be what he does in uh, receptions. But Nick, uh, uh, you you seen him saying he's refining his role as a runner and your face uh, squeezed up. What were you thinking about there? Well, he was a guy that me and uh, George at Rotohack talked about on Filmmetrics. And there was, I mean, he's horrible between the tackles. I'll have to say this. Like, he just hides and then maybe he'll find something. But he's just not good. There was one run against the Seahawks guys where there was a hole and he saw a linebacker like five yards deep in the hole and he's like, mm-mm, and he tries to like go some other way and then Flo gets to him and he gets body slammed. And I'm like, that guy is not going to work in the NFL. Now, the other part that scares me is he had, I think, 77 receptions last year. Yeah. I'm not confident counting on any running back hitting 70 every year. I mean, like I liked Forte, but he even had up and down years where it's like 52, et cetera. Like yeah. if he doesn't hit, 50 receptions next year, people are going to be so disappointed. I don't think you can always count on that. You talked about that hole against the Seahawks, and I know we bashed him at the start, and we were giving out about people bashing people on Twitter, but maybe he's watching tape of Trent Richardson playing uh, in his prime. (laughs) But uh, we'll move on. We we spent a lot of time on Duke. uh, Split opinions, very valid points from both your sides. Uh, Next is um, Bilal Powell of the Jets. He's a player who I've been looking at this season, and I think... You know, I think they're going to have similar roles. It's just depending on what happens with Matt Forte landing there. Kyrie Robinson also came in, and he's a Kyrie Robinson was a player I liked with the Saints and was hoping for him to get an opportunity when he moved away. Don't think the Jets is an ideal fit, but uh, Matt Forte getting older. Bilal Powell last season finished the year very, very strong down down the final kind of six or seven games. Led a lot of people to some fantasy championships. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on uh, Bilal Powell heading into the 2016 season breakout or bust? Oh, that's a tough one. Cause, he is a tough I mean, one. Because right now, Forte is much better as a receiver than a runner. Like, now he's crafty. He times things out well. I mean, I'm a Bears fan, so I've I've watched him over the years, and I've loved Matt Forte. Great pro. But with Powell, I mean, when you look at the second half of the year, I think he he had the most targets of a running back over the last, like, six weeks, something like that. So even with Ivory, which people are like, Ivory can't catch, he had, like, 30 receptions last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so... Um, I think that Powell's going to have a role. Uh, Forte's been getting dinged up more. He got dinged up last year, but I'm not sure it's a breakout. Like That would have to be defined for me. That's a tough one to, to call. Yeah, it is a very tough one. Uh, Doug, what do you think about uh, Powell? He's somebody that I'm really on the fence, and I had Ivory last year in a number of different leagues. I've moved him on this uh, offseason. But uh, Powell, you know, he showed a lot of, a lot of you know, plays down down the stretch and he's somebody who i think has value so low that he could be he could be worth a flyer there uh yeah so i think the issue is one i think the the biggest thing we have to figure out is what the hell is the jets quarterback situation that's going to depend a lot on how well their running game does because if you don't have a good quarterback in there the teams aren't going to be afraid that you're going to throw deep even if you have brand marshall and eric decker you're not going to be as afraid you're going to be able to dial in more the problem is is that you have this three-headed horse that I think Bilal Powell fits so well in last year because Chris Ivory wasn't that much of a receiver. He was a power back, a two down running back and you know Bilal Powell was able to come in on third downs. But the problem is is you have a really good receiving running back I think still in Matt Forte. Now the issue is he has um, you know he has issues with injuries. So could there always be a possibility that Bilal Powell fills in his role? Yes. Um, I, but again I think the biggest thing is going to be what is the quarterback situation going to look like? I still think that Fitzpatrick will be there. I think that's the expectation. And I think if that's the case, that's going to help Bilal Powell in the run game. Um, I don't expect any running back to do what Matt Forte, I'm sorry, uh, Chris Ivory did in in terms of rushing stats last year. Um, I think he had a career year over 1,000 yards. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I think Bilal Powell is a decent guy to get maybe as a a low-end running back four as a handcuff in PPR leagues. Um, I just don't see much of a role when, when Matt Forte really fills in his role and probably does it maybe a little bit better when he's healthy. Yeah, that's very true. Just on the quarterback situation, I've said on the last few shows that uh, Geno Smith, I think, isn't that much of a downgrade, if a downgrade at all, over uh, what Fitzpatrick done last season. I think a lot of it's down to what the wide receivers done for him, both in Decker and Marshall. Uh, what do you think, Nick, uh, in that situation? Do you think maybe the Jets at this point are better off uh, going with Gino rather than going back to Fitzpatrick? I don't I don't think Fitzpatrick. You know, I think there's a kind of hype around him and a lot of talk. I think the Jets probably have realized that he wasn't as good as people think last year. Uh, I'm actually on the other side of it. Yeah. I think Fitzpatrick was better than people think. So here we go, disagreeing yeah. and getting That's other good. opinions. But 
But, I mean, when you go back to the year before when he was in Houston, he had 17 touchdowns to eight interceptions and over 60% completion percentage with, with DeAndre Hopkins and Nate Washington. I don't know who else they even had, you know? So, um, yeah, he had, he benefited from some, some really good targets. But in, in the same realm, I mean, he, he did it. And he put up some really good stats uh, two years in a row there. And, again, when you look at Fitzpatrick's career, he's been with a lot of teams, but who has he had? At Buffalo, he had Stevie Johnson and... It's about all I can yeah. name from that, those Buffalo teams. The Titans were terrible. And Houston only had Hopkins when it was in the second or third year. Like, he hasn't had a lot, to be honest. Now he finally has a pro group, and now it's, oh, it's just the receivers, you know? He doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Yeah, well, I can see your point there. He did really have nothing around him. I just, I don't know, watching it, I think there was a lot of interceptions and so on that he got away with last year. But I guess, what's the, what's the way of another dog wants to talk? Yeah, so I think the thing is is that no matter when you get Fitzpatrick back in there, if he does come back, I don't think you're losing much in terms of he's he's behind or anything like that. There's the same coaching staff there. There's the same offensive coordinator there. There's the same wide receivers there. There's the same tight ends, which they I think they were the worst with tight end production last year anyway. So not much has changed. So it's not like he has to learn anything new. It's more so just getting the reps in there. I think the thing is is that to bring up Nick's great point, he hasn't had much. And, you know, he did definitely have some mental mistakes. I think he had he could have had more interceptions than he did. Uh, I think he got lucky in a few plays. But the thing is, is that you look at Geno Smith, and it's hard to, I think because it's unknown. I think the part of the issue is unknown. Because Geno Smith, yes, granted, whenever he did start, he, he didn't have much to, to throw to when he did play. And now he has Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, potentially. So that's the big issue. People are like, well, now that he actually has decent people, he could do better than people expected. The problem is, is that that's a big unknown. It's a big unknown, and I think you're going to go with the guy who have to get into the, almost get into the playoffs last year. That's Fitzpatrick. Where if you have wide receivers that are missing time or skipping OTAs in protest for him, that should say something. Um, it, and, and just to, to, you know, like I said... That's all reportedly, but it doesn't. It it definitely says something when you've had throughout this whole off season, people go out of their way to say, "Yeah, we want Fitzpatrick back on this team." They're hanging out with him and they want him back. So I'll, I'll let Nick talk real quick, but that, that's my piece on that. Yeah, the the last piece is that uh, I mean the Jets have invested in quarterbacks recently, you know, with Geno and with Hackenberg. But people forget Bryce Petty was a fourth round pick too. Yeah. He wasn't a bad college player, and he's just getting thrown by the wayside. I mean, it's like they're just keep tossing you know picks at this and hopefully someone's gonna gonna rise up and i think hackenberg is terrible so i'll go with <laughs> petty or gino over yeah. hackenberg yeah and obviously they're not going to cut hackenberg going into the season so it's gonna be interesting they're definitely not going to keep four quarterbacks on the roster so we'll see what happens there with those and uh, how it all filters out next up uh two wide receivers coming into the league last year and they're two that a lot of people are very high on this season uh uh, lock it up in Seattle and then uh, Doriel Green Beckham down in Tennessee if uh, I could just say if it was a dynasty draft now both in the same round um, who do you take out of those two guys Nick uh, for this next season if it was only a redraft I would say probably lock it but if we're looking long term it's DGB and it's yeah. easy yeah, um, when when you look at what Seattle did and with with Wilson and how they utilized Lockett Wilson was very efficient with his shots and they and they worked out I mean Lockett was in the slot a lot, and then the outside receiver would run like a hitch, and Lockett would run pretty much a fade from the slot so they get a lot of space, and yeah. they would hit. And I don't think that's going to happen two years in a row where he's just going to sneak up on you and all these big plays are going to work. DGB, people forget, number one recruit in his class on all of high school. He, If not for that off-the-field incident, he's a first-round pick. Yeah. And now he has Mariota, who I think Mariota is going to be a real good quarterback. And, you know, Kendall Wright's not good. Um Justin Hunter's not going to be there. You know, I'm, I'm actually a fan of Matthews, who they signed. Walker's old. He's 32. He might be there for another year or two. But I think DGB's, he had a couple hundred-yard games at the end of the year, and I think it's just going to keep rolling. Maybe not this next year. It's not going to be a huge breakout. But I think eventually he could be a wide receiver one potential on your fantasy teams. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I'm quite high. I kind of feel kind of 
dirty saying it, but I'm quite high on the, the Tennessee offense going forward. And I got a lot of heat on Twitter for this. Uh, Superflex, that league that I mentioned earlier, the OTI Dynasty 2. The third round, pick 302, 26 overall. I went with uh, Marcus Mariota uh, as a quarterback. Obviously, in Superflex, you can start the, the two quarterbacks. And he's just a, a player that I thought last year he showed a lot. I think they've done some nice work on the offensive line in the offseason. We'll have to see how it settles down. They obviously took in DeMarco Murray, drafted the Derrick Henry as well, the running back position. And just with the position, you know, you mentioned there he is the safety blanket of uh, Delaney Walker. I just think overall there's a lot of positivity there. Um, do you think that is a ridiculously high pick, which a lot of people on Twitter thought? Do you think in a super flex it's fair, or where do you fall in that situation? I don't play in a lot of super flex, but I think anytime you invest in a very highly talented quarterback, and, and when Mariota was coming out, I uh, kind of compared him to an Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, Aaron Rodgers there, but like as a quarterback, because he's efficient, he's a good athlete, he's accurate, he does. He makes smart decisions, and I think that people are kind of underrating Mariota at this point. I don't know why. Yeah, um, l- l- like he wasn't a high pick, like he wasn't a really talented guy, and um, g- taking your, your supporting cast to a step further, there are three top 10 picks on that offensive line yeah. that people aren't even thinking of. I mean, they, they've invested, as you said, a lot in that line, and you get Henry and Murray and some of those guys together, and they're just supporting Mariota, at least early on, and then maybe later on he can make everyone else better. Uh, Doug, out of those two wide receivers, uh, Lockett and DGB, is it uh, DGB for you as well? Uh, I would say the same exact thing as Nick. I think if it's this year, it's Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, and I think part of the thing that holds them back... Agreement uh, last. Yeah, it, I think part of the thing that holds Lockett back a little bit, extremely talented. I think he's extremely explosive as well. But this is a run-first team. This is a run-first team that, uh, you know, even though Russell Wilson did really well last year, there's still other guys to to look at. They just gave Jermaine Curse, I think, like, I, I want to say it was a, a three- or four-year deal, close to $20 million, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. And then they're talking with Doug Baldwin for contract talks. So we're looking at it that way, where I think that Lockett, if if he if he's lucky, he's that number two guy for them, in, 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 for wide receivers. If not, and where I think he's going to be is number three. That limits you in a run-first offense when you're the number three guy. Um, DGB, definitely very talented. I think part of the reason he's underrated is because he just didn't do well for the most of his rookie season, and that's just because there was a lot of growing pains where that, that whole Tennessee Titans team was just bad in general. Um, besides against week one against – oh, no, they got destroyed by – no, no, they beat they beat the Buccaneers, yeah. and Marcus Mariota did really, really well. I think what we have to look at is there's just a whole – it's a whole bunch of players it, on that Tennessee Titans playmaker side. So we, we got like five wide receivers where it's DGB, Kendall Wright, Justin Hunter, Rashard, uh, Rashard Matthews, uh, Trey McBride, and then you have the running backs too. There's just a ton of them. I can name six of them. Murray, Henry, McCluster, Andrews, Sankey, and um, uh, hold on, Cobb. Cobb and Cobb. So there's just a ton, a ton of players there. And I don't think there's anybody that set themselves apart in the in the wide receiver game uh, or their wide receiver core. I think the most talented one is DGB long-term. But I think it's only going to go as far as how well Marcus Mariota develops I think he had some growing pains. I think, you know, part of the thing is he took a lot of hits, a lot of sacks last year. Part of it can be blamed on his offensive line. But I think he's got to get better pocket awareness and make better decisions when faced with pressure in his face. Um, And that'll be interesting. But I think both of them are going to develop. I think part of the issue people don't realize, DJB didn't play his last year of college. And that's something that he was sitting out. He didn't get to play, and that might have been – he might have had a little rust as well. He came on late in the season, so that could definitely mean something. I think he's a number one wide receiver for them long-term, especially with Marcus Mariota. But I would say long-term, definitely DGB over Lockett, but I think Lockett could still have a better year overall if you include return yards as well in uh, fancy leagues. Yeah, obviously Beckham's still uh, very raw. And it only took us 44 and a half minutes, but we finally got Doug to agree with something that Nick said. But uh, uh, just before we finish up, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we had other topics. We've uh, had a few, though, where we had a good discussion on. Nick, you're on Twitter at Nick or at underscore Nick Whalen, one of the uh, the guys with the dreaded underscore in the, in the name. And uh, then Doug's on Twitter, obviously, at DMoreNFL. Anything that either of you guys have uh, coming out this week? 
had come out in the last week that you want to give a, a plug to for the listeners uh, you want them to go and read before we uh, wrap it all up? Uh, I'll let Nick go. Um, I think it came out uh, last week, but I, I analyzed uh, Ezekiel Elliott's situation, called it The Situation. Uh, I'm not a you know a TV Jordan, show Jordan, fan, Jordan. but I just thought it made fun. <laughs> yeah, made, made, made fun at that. But uh, I think people look at his situation and they think that it's going to last forever, and it's not. So I looked, I looked deep in that, uh, the contracts of the offensive line with the other supporting cast with Romo, cap situation. You kind of have to think about it and to see – how good is this situation? Because Elliot's good, but he's not girly, in my opinion. So you kind of have to get realistic with how, how much the situation is going to make him better at this point. So, you know, how many years that's going to happen. Yeah, I didn't see Nick reacting there, but uh, Nick, uh, your thoughts on uh, Ezekiel Elliott being said that he's not that good or not as good as Todd Gurley? Uh, so I'm, I'm Doug, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also wrote about Ezekiel Elliott's situation in uh, in fantasy for 2016 for um, for Gridiron experts um, and I think it's hard. I, I I think I might have too lofty of expectations for him. I see him having a top five running back year for wide for running backs in 2016. I think the only thing that will hold him up is how much the Cowboys decide to use Darren McFadden, Alfred Morris. Um, obviously, they drafted him with the number four overall pick. They clearly love him. He's got arguably the best offensive line in football. Another big thing will be, can Romo and Bryant stay healthy? Because I think if you do have them healthy, it's going to help your game. The offense overall, because somehow, even when Romo and Des Bryant were down, and whether it was Kellen Moore or Brandon Whedon or, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, Jerry Jones at quarterback, Darren McFadden was still able to do pretty well. Um, so that's definitely encouraging. Um, I just think the biggest drawback will be what's his role going to be. I think he could be a workhorse. I, I don't think there's any doubt he could be. How well he does it for how long is a different story. I think he does a lot of things really well, but he's not a superstar necessarily in any one particular part of his game. I think the biggest thing about him, uh, the best thing about him, I should say, is that he has really no flaws. He could be a little more consistent in his pass protection. He could improve his hands in the pass uh, catching game. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I think if they give him the proper amount of touches, like what Darren McFadden saw from week seven on after Joseph Randall was uh, released, he could have a really good year. Um, some other things that I wrote. Um, can, I, can, I cut it? can I cut in? Uh, I guess. Talking that? <laughs> so so w- a couple of things to think on there is, one, when, when, the, when the Cowboys have basically decided, hey, we're just going to force feed backs is when it was Murray's last year in the contract and they weren't going to bring him back. And it's Darren McFadden, who they have invested a lot in, and what do they really care? So I don't know that you want to take this super high investment and give him 400 touches. So I think that's one thing to think on. Like you said, how much are they going to use ALF and, and DMC? The other thing, if you want to talk about a super buy low opportunity, is McFadden and Alfred Morris, because I don't think they're both with the Cowboys next year. It doesn't make sense. You have Zeke and you have McFadden and Alfred Morris who don't play special teams. You're not going to take three running backs that don't play special teams on an active roster every year. They're going to take Darius Jackson around seven, put him into special teams, make it work. So I think that McFadden could get cut or one of them could get traded. Yeah, I definitely think it's an option. I think if anybody's released uh, or traded, it's Darren McFadden because uh, if you release him, I I, want to say I looked at the contract numbers last week, and if you release him, uh, the team can save over $2 million dollars as opposed to Alfred Morris, where they don't lose any money, but they don't gain any uh, cap space back. Um, so I, I just want to point out something real quick. Um, doing the numbers, I actually do look at numbers. Um, from week seven on, um, Darren McFadden had 202 carries in, in 11 games. So just to point that out, that, that goes over to almost 18 and a half carries. Um, and that was major- the majority of it was without Romo or Dez. So that's that's really something to, to think about. So my my numbers, I, I said let's give Elliott 16 carries, which would be about 250 for the season. I still think he could average um, about 4.7 to 4.7 yards per carry behind that offensive line, especially if, if McBadden can do, I, I think it was like 4.5, um, because I think he's more talented. I do. Uh, I think I'm not, not knocking at all on McFadden, but I think that Elliott... Uh, Elliot, Obviously, um, I think he has a lot of great attributes about him. 
So it'll be interesting to see. I think the biggest thing will be, like you said, buy low opportunities. Is McFadden and Moore still going to have a role? And I think if anything, we're going to see McFadden have a role on third down. He had 40 receptions last year. Um, so definitely could be an opportunity where he does take some some uh, touches away on third down uh, and chase a, a change of pace. That would be the biggest thing. But I think if you invest a top five pick in a player, especially a running back, you're going to use him. And you're going to use him as much as you can. He's got five years potentially behind this offensive line, or at least with the Cowboys. Five years with that fifth-year option for first-round picks. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. But I think if they give him the workhorse amount of work, uh, or that, that's redundant, but the workhorse amount of touches, he could do really well, I think especially if you get your quarterback and your top wide receiver healthy in that lineup. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and he doesn't have an injury history. That's the other thing. He doesn't have an injury history. I think he missed one game in his college career. So it'll be interesting to see because Darren McFadden, like we highlighted earlier, has dealt with a lot of soft tissue issues uh, in his career and a lot of minor injuries that have kept him off the field. So he, he stayed healthy in 2015, but it'll be interesting to see because if you have a situation where McFadden is hurt, it's only going to mean more for, for, um, for Elliott because I don't think – Alfred Morris contributes much besides the first two downs, if anything. Um, and, and just to, to highlight the other thing, the other thing I also uh, I, I wrote on last week is I talked about my top ten rookies for uh, ITP or inside the pylon. This week, I don't know when it will be published, I'm going to be talking about my top bounce-back targets in 2016. So guys that were injured, that maybe missed most of the year or all the year, or just had down years. So I'll be, I'll be uh, doing that, uh, hopefully writing that up and finishing it uh, either tonight or tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. But that's it. That's it. I'm done. And I think that finishes up the longest wrap-up section in uh, OTA history. But uh, lots of good stuff there, Doug, talking about the Dallas Cowboys uh, running back situation, obviously, with Zeke Elliott. Check out both the guys' articles there. I mentioned follow Nick on Twitter. It is at underscore Nick Whalen. Doug is at the Moor NFL. I am at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back with uh, the next show next week, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.